All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, sorry, we're having some technical difficulties. It's probably because we're competing with the uh, Super Bowl and uh, the NFL is out to squash us so that they can have all of the media paying attention to just them. No one else, no other media gets to have any uh, airtime, if you will, today. But uh, Jason Taylor is going to be joining me here momentarily. He's having some technical difficulties as well. Uh, but for those who don't know, I'm John Orlando. I'm one half of this tandem. That brings you Matt Talk, the only Matlock-themed podcast on the face of the planet. Of course, want to give props to our man, Justin, helping out in the back, producing. He's the silent partner, so to speak. He's he's the, the guy that manipulates everything. He's very, very powerful. So we like to, we like to uh, definitely give our props to him for helping us out producing the show. Uh, I'm sure he'll have a, a fantastic snippet here. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Jason may be joining us. Let's see here. Help, everybody's doing great. Oh, there's Jason. Nope, 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 never mind. There's not Jason. Well, <laughs> okay, he's saying he's he's good to go. Are you good to go now, but, good sir? I think so, man. I'm on my phone. I don't know what's going on with StreamYards on my laptop, but um, it's just gone to chaos. It has, but you know what? Again, as I said, it's probably Roger Goodell putting the uh, the squash to our uh, our little um, show that we have going on here. So, anyways, Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. That's good. It's good to know you. Uh, I know you're not a sports guy, so you probably don't care about the big game tonight, right? What big game? Exactly, ladies and gentlemen. Is that the thing getting in the way of the Usher concert and me seeing Deadpool three trailer? Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's that's definitely it. I wait a minute. Usher, I thought Reba McIntyre was doing the halftime show. Really? Is there two? It, it, I thought maybe I'm wrong. I thought I heard that. I don't know. J- Justin, can you can you see if that's uh, if that's true that Reba or if it's Usher? I don't know. But nonetheless, you're more. No, interested. it's 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 definitely Usher, John. <laughs> Where have you been? What I? Well, Reba McIntyre. That's what I was told. Wow. Okay. Hey, Justin says Usher. Okay. All right. Well, anyways, Reba's just doing the national anthem. Thank you, Daniel Snow. Thank you. I knew Reba's name was attached to the big game because I don't think we're allowed to say the, the actual name of the event because we don't have copyright clearances. But Daniel, don't encourage John. No. You, you know what? Thank you. Daniel Snow, you are top notch. Thank you very much for uh, listening. Appreciate it so very much. Um, with that being said though, um, so you're more interested in the, um, commercials, right? Is that, that would be safe to say. I am more interested in it just being done with. I'm tired of hearing about football. It's not my thing. I do like playing John Madden football. That's a lot of fun. And I like winning at fantasy football because it pisses off the people that actually watch fantasy, watch football that I win. But, um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to the trailers and most specifically the Deadpool 3 trailer. Uh, it's probably my most anticipated movie of the year. Okay, cool, cool. Absolutely. I think it's going to be a good one. Um, I, I'm excited for it. Uh, so as we normally uh, do, let's talk a little bit about what we have been watching since we like to talk all about TVs and movies. Obviously, that's why you are tuning in to find out about Matlock. But uh, off the cuff, Jason, what have you been watching recently? 
Law and Order's back, man. So I've been binging that. Like every week I have three hours of Law and Order and I love every moment of it. I have regular Law and Order, then I have SVU, then I have Organized Crime. I wish Organized Crime was still doing the serialized seasons. They've kind of stepped back to doing just episodic like the other Law and Orders, which has kind of diminished the quality a little bit, but it's still a Law and Order. So it was fun. Well, I... um started watching a series of movies and then this weekend I finished it. Uh, I, I was back in the Eastern part of Ohio visiting some friends and family. I stayed with my cousin and we finished off the original planet of the apes movies. Um, I had seen one and three. And so the last time I went back, which was right in the fall, we watched the first three and then we polished them off by this weekend, watching four and five. And then the documentary that was made, the making of uh, Planet of the Apes. And so um, I feel like I've completed a major task because I, I've, like I said, prior to this, I'd never seen the second one, the fourth one or the fifth one. Have you watched the um, the latest trilogy too? Uh, I've only seen the first one. So I've only seen uh, the one with, uh, well, yeah, James Franco and um, John Lithgow, that one. I saw I those are really two. good. Uh, yeah, Planet of the Apes is one of my favorite franchises. Okay, yeah, no, I I curious because I I was I remember the original one. I kind of remember the third one, so it was cool to sit down and watch where those started from. And the documentary is really cool. Like it tells a lot of like how difficult it was to film things and how you know throughout the. CBS, Paramount, whoever, I can't, no, I th yeah, I think it was Paramount, Paramount still, no, it was Fox, Fox that had that franchise continue to, continue to like want more and want more and want more and they wanted more, but the budgets kept going down. So it was really interesting to see how the, the directors had to, you know, manipulate things to help them out. So every Planet of the Apes movie I have seen, I have liked, I have not seen the uh, Mark Wahlberg one. But like I said, I really love the originals. I loved the the latest trilogy. And I really the TV series was more of what the original movies were, like the same kind of special effects and so forth. So, you know, I, I really dig that TV that the whole franchise. Well, that the TV show only lasted 13 episodes. It did yeah. not do well in the ratings. No, no, it didn't do well. I'm just saying, like, oh. if you miss that style of Planet of the Apes, there's still a TV series that's kind of oh, yeah. in the same vein, kind of looks similar. There's a cartoon as well. There's a cartoon. I did not there's know a cartoon. Yeah, there's a cartoon that that is very much kind of the same as the first um, the first uh, movie installment, but it kind of toned down a little bit in terms of some of the the themes and that. But all right, um, I think jo Justin says we have some comments, so let's let's get those comments flowing here. Reba is doing the national anthem. Thank you, James. I'm I'm glad. Uh, it's because certain people aren't fans of these teams, not me. Go 49ers. Uh, look, I'm going to su support the 49ers, too, because for a long time, and I don't think many NFL fans know this, but um, the Niners were owned by a businessman in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, Eddie DeBartolo. So there's a little Ohio connection. So I got to root for the Niners. Oh, hate to see Sam Watterson leaving Law and Order. I just found out about that as two. Jason, I'm sure that you're probably heartbroken. And but have you seen the Marky Mark Planet of the Apes? Uh, I've been told by uh, anybody that's seen that that it's not worth my while. So I, I will put it on the list clear at the bottom. 
I just found Inferno today, not realizing that it's the fourth in the Langdon series and that Peacock has lost symbol as a series that I'm going to binge tomorrow. Okay, I'm going to pitch that to you, Jason. I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, Inferno. It's um in the um the Langdon series, the uh, Da Vinci Code franchise. George has oh. been watching the Inferno movie, which I. I, I disliked the Da Vinci Code very, very much. I disliked uh, Angels and Demons very, very much. I liked Inferno. <laughs> I, I liked the third movie. Like, I, I thought that one was fun. And then um, I haven't seen The Lost Symbol, the TV series. Okay, cool. All right. Um, shall we go ahead and jump in, into it? Because this is what the people are tuning in for. And by the way, you know what? I We should thank everybody. Our last broadcast was fantastic. So many people, I, I don't even want to brag and throw out the number, but we'll say it was it was four digits. All right, four digits of people tuned in and checked out the last show. We want to thank every single one of you all. You know what? What the heck? Let's just say all 1,600 of you, right, Jason? That was the last total that we got. Yeah. 1,600 people. We thank you so very much for checking out. That's the best rated show we've had since we started this podcast and we owe it all to you. Thank you very much for the support. Thank you so very much. Um, it means a lot to us. Um, and, and we're hoping to keep that train a moving, so to speak. So, uh, Jason, any comments for the for the listeners as well from you? Uh, yeah, no, just, just thank you. Um, support has obviously been overwhelming. Uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Just let us know, like, if there's ever anything that we can do to improve the broadcast, uh, let us know, please. You can email yeah. us at B-N-M-A-T-T-A-L-K at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook at Matt Talk Podcast. And uh, with that, shall we go ahead and jump into it? Let's get let's get going, shall we? So let's kick things off with our opening statement. The name of the episode is The D.A., and its original air date is March 20th, 1990. And Jason, we have a couple of guest stars here that we need to talk about. One that's kind of kind of a big deal, and I'm going to save him for last, okay? Our first one is Richard Menchenberg. He will be playing the role of Mike Eisman. Uh, you may know him for his very lengthy run on the show Arliss, which if I remember correctly, and Jason, am I correct? Arliss was a HBO show, correct? Uh, I don't know. I'm not, okay. Uh, yes. I, I think it was. It was one of those earlier ones. Anyways, he was also Dr. P.K. Simon on ER and Peter Daniels on Cagney and Lacey. Uh, Richard doesn't have too much, uh, uh, too many credits, I should say, to his name, but the few that he had were pretty lengthy and, and pretty important. Go to our next one, which uh, our next guest star is Rocco Sisto. He'll be playing the role of the manager. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, we love it when you just get those type of titles. The cop, the manager, hooker number two. We love that. They can't just even come up with a name like Jim or Bob or anything. So Rocco is going to be the manager, but he's probably most known for being Richie Gazzo in the movie Donnie Brasco, uh, Judge Ellery on Law & Order SVU, uh, Young Jr. on The Sopranos, uh, Police Commissioner Fahey on Law and Order Criminal Intent, and Polly in the movie Eraser. So, Jason, any of those titles uh, ring a bell with you or you'd like to discuss? Uh, I mean, I've seen most of it. Um, nothing that really, like, stands out like, oh, my God, that's the guy. But um, 
yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to add for Mr. Rocco. He seems to be a, a little bit typecast because he's either uh, a cop or he's a mobster, it seems. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird <laughs> one or the other kind of thing. Yeah, you know? is it not? Yeah, absolutely. The swing in your skills uh, going from the cop to the, uh, to the mobster has got to be uh, got to be daunting a little bit. So, all right, and I saved the best one for last because this gentleman has over 180 credits to his name, but just because he sticks out for his first uh, credit, I had to throw him on here, show him some love. Greg Henry will be playing the role of Nick Beloit, and if he looks familiar, Jason, to comic book fans, he should because he was Grandpa Quill in all three Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Dude, I was that. See, sometimes there's an episode of Matlock where we see a guest star and we we know that guy and we know exactly mm-hmm. what that guy's been from. But when I saw him, I'm like, I know this guy. What's this guy been in? Like, you know, the the face, I just couldn't pull it up. But yeah, no, he, he's been in a lot of stuff. Yes, he was Val Resnick in Payback, Jack McCready in Slither, Hollis Doyle in Scandal, all those TV shows. Uh, Martin Proctor and Black Lightning, one of my favorite CW shows of all time. Uh, Brigham Young on the uh, show Hell on Wheels. And yeah, we could talk for another 20 minutes about his resume because it's that lengthy. John, John, you yeah. never you never find these on your own. You always need me to help you in my last yeah. minute. Um, hey, man, you're the backup. You're the backup. This guy dude. was in Jake and the Fat Man. This guy was in Perry Mason. This guy was in Matlock, and this guy was in Murder, She Wrote. We have a hat trick! Yes, ladies and gentlemen! Hat trick! Woo! My hat was off. off. I remember him from 24. That's what I remember him from. He was on 24? Yeah. He played okay. uh, Jonathan Wallace. Okay. All right. Well, he, we got a hat trick, ladies and gentlemen. He's on all three of the majors, Perry Mason, Murder, She Wrote, and Matlock. Sorry that my hat trick was off camera there but by the way i just want to just want to give props to the wheeling nailers for having some sweet new retro hats out by the way all right let's let's get a comment here justin before we move on to uh oh greg henry was great in payback jason i'm gonna i'm gonna let you comment on that one because i've never seen payback i haven't either oh it took you a while to remember that (laughs) you look perplexed man yeah i was thinking i've not seen it Okay. You look like I asked you what the square root of 72 was, and you're like, eh. all right. There's, I don't know what the square root is, by the way. I'm tired, man. I, I cannot tell you how tired I am. Uh, my new schedule is apparently getting up at 5.15 in the morning every day. That's what I do, even if I stay up late to try to sleep in. like I, I've been staying up till 1 in hopes that it'll push me past 5. Nope, 5.15, I'm up. I don't Hey, listen, you're you're crying to the wrong guy because I get up at five fifteen every day as well. Yeah. So I get a lot of uh, shit done though, like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but With sometimes that, I get like... spacey throughout the day. I just I zone off and I'm like, payback. <laughs> I start thinking about it like it's their scary rate of pie, and you want me to give you the seventh digit. All right, I think we have one more comment here, uh, Justin. If you could bring that up, please. Um, let's see what, uh, Daniel, uh, Mel Gibson revenge flick of the 1990s. Good story and action. Daniel, I I'm familiar with it. In fact, I know lots of people that really love that movie. I just, I never got a, like, I just never got around to watching it. The, the, I have nothing against it. I have nothing against the, the premise or Mel Gibson or anything like that. 
I just never have gotten around to it. Um, so, but I will, I will no, try to do the, He's one of those actors, despite his problems. Uh, he's somebody I really like watching on screen. And so I, I will check out that movie. I just, I just, again, same as John, just hasn't gotten around to me. Yeah. I liked Ransom, which was one of his, uh, another kind of revenge films, kind of. I liked that one. That one was good. But, and of course, mm-hmm. I love the Mad Max uh, saga. I think those are all fantastic films. But with that, Jason, I have a question for you. I need you to give me an opinion your opinion and solely your opinion so help you i do john and you know what that means i may may have offended justin with my horrible dancing so that's why he cut us off early anyways (laughs) all right the plot of this episode is after successfully defending a client Julius threatened by the man's brother and becomes a target of a stalker. Opening scene sets the tone very well for this episode. It's someone creeping around in the shadows. And we go to the courtroom where Julius cross-examining uh, Nick Beloit. And basically, Nick Beloit, there, there's an issue about a car because basically the whole premise is you were over to your, your brother's house and you were in the car with him and it's a big big sticking point all right that you were with him within his car but when in reality the car was in the garage it was in the shop all right and that beloit wasn't with his brother nick that he was actually at home murdering his wife that means that thomas beloit is guilty and is sentenced to well whatever his punishment is jason how do you like the setup so far Dude, I I'm in. I was in. This episode you were had in. me at a moment one mainly because you know we start with um, we start with Julie. Like we don't start with Ben. No, no. In yeah, fact, I, uh, I, I, I like that. Yeah, but Ben. And, I would say, going into it at this moment, I'm like, holy crap! Is Ben not even in this episode? That's that was my thought process. Uh, well, at this point too, you know, we should mention that Ben's maybe say 60% in this episode. He's not, he's, he's not in it as much as he normally would be in an episode. Uh, as Julie leaves the courtroom, she runs into Mike Eisman in the hallway and Mike, who is a kind of an awkward dorky kind of character, Mike asked Julie to lunch. And Julie said, well, I'd love to, but, uh, Eli, another lawyer I'm working with is, uh, needs some help on this big case that we have. So, Okay, so um, Nick Beloit, he barges into the hallway and he's yelling at Julie, how dare you, you convicted an innocent man, I'll get you. We have ourselves a possible uh, suspect in whatever shenanigans go on later on, right, Jason? When he said, I'll get you, I knew immediately. I'm like, okay, well, that's not the guy. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, they're way too obvious. us. Yeah, no, they want us to think that's the guy. It's not the guy. That's not the guy. Yeah. So Ben shows up and he, you know, kind of shows up to, well, that guy was a jerk. What was the problem? Blah, 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 blah. And I wrote down that this was, this, was there a little love triangle between Eli, Mike, and Ben? It seems they were all kind of battling for the attention of one Julie Marsh. 
Well, we get to a scene where Julie is at her apartment. Um, by the way, this is this is kind of a, a, a swanky apartment, if I may say so myself. Jason, what are your uh, thoughts? Do you have any on the on the on the apartment? I mean, she's got a nice place. Yeah, she does. She has a nice place. I mean, is she taking bribes on the side? Well, Julie gets a phone call. It's a hang-up phone call. And by the way, for those of you youngins out there, this is before cell phones. This is when you had an actual phone phone, a landline, as they say. No caller ID either. No, there's no caller ID. You You might be lucky enough to have a message machine, but that's about it. Anyways... So the second time the phone rings, Julie answers. It's another hang-up. Third time, Julie ignores it, right? So then we cut to a scene that in the middle of the night, I go walking with my – oh, I'm sorry. No no Billy Joel. My bad. Oh, I thought that would get a pop from you, man. Come on. Come on. That was good. <laughs> Got to applaud for my, own, for my own comedy over here. It's a – it's gonna be an episode, folks. Anyways, um, I can't, I can't give it to you whenever you expect it. I have to give it to you when you're not expecting it. Okay, okay. Well, anyways, in the middle of the night, Julie gets a call, and the caller says, "Justin liked it." Okay, good, good. And the caller said, "It's me." And so there's another phone call, but Julie hangs up on the person. There's another call, and then she just, she just yanks the plug right out of, out of the wall, and the phone is dead. Which I wrote. Is this a smart move to unplug the phone? If there's a if guy that's my phone you? and somebody goes, it's me. I'll be like, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Anyways, then we cut to a scene where Julie is in a parking garage. She's walking to her car and she keeps walking and walking. And all of a sudden she hears footsteps behind her. And so, of course, we know what's going to happen. She turns around and is like, will you leave me alone? And it's the wrong guy. It's it's not. It's some rando guy that's like he has a dirty look on his face because she just yelled at him. And then she's embarrassed. And and there you go. So little little uh, bait and switch, so to speak, if you will. Um, oh, John, John. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt, man. Uh, since I was having technical difficulties, I forgot to say this. But this is now streaming on our very own YouTube channel, everybody. Yes, we have a YouTube channel. So if you guys go to YouTube.com, type in Matt Talk, you'll find this very show right there. Okay. You know what? I I forgot to mention it, too. I could have done it while I was waiting on you to join us. I should have done that. But thank you. Thank you for picking up. You're the tech guy, so I leave all those announcements to you. Yeah. All right. So there's a note on the car, by the way, that when Julie gets to her car after yelling at this random guy, it's it's a note. And the note says... Are you sorry yet? Ooh. Ooh, a little like how I know what you did last summer type of vibe to it. Justin, do we have a comment that we need to uh, pop up here? I appreciate the Billy Joel reference, John. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. See, he's on, he's on my side today. Now, he just wants back on the show, Daniel, but I'm the one you got to <laughs> talk to for booking. I do the booking. John does the editing. I do the the booking i do the the booking it's mainly what i do (laughs) oh anyways all right well we go to a scene where bob brooks is looking at the note and he's he's talking to ben he's talking to julie and he said look there's not a lot we can do because you know 
who's doing it? We don't know. It could be a million different people, right? You, you defend, you prosecute, excuse me, lots of scumbags. It could be any of them, right? So Julie is a little bit, a little bit worried. So Ben puts Conrad on the case. All right. And Ben asked Julie to stay with him. Uh, and then, so Julie says, fine, but then she reverses her decision. She's like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know about this. All right. So we go back to a scene with Julie uh, back home and she gets another phone call. She answers the phone. You look lovely in blue. That's what is said to her, which is creepy. Absolutely creepy. Yeah. Uh, Mike uh, is, is Mike behind the calls is what I wrote down because I felt like, yeah, he could probably be. And, and at this point, I was a little disappointed that I figured it out this quickly. All right. What, what about you? Did you think Mike was a suspect from the get-go, like me, or no? Um, Mike, that's the one that she worked with, right? Yes. Yes, yeah, the one yeah, she nope, worked I with. I figured the- it out. As soon, as soon as he mentions the beach house, I'm like, yeah, that's the guy. He's just trying to get her alone at the beach house. Oh, wait, wait, you're confusing. That's not Mike. That's Eli. Mike is the guy that was the awkward that asked her out to lunch. Oh, no, I didn't think it was him, no. Oh, see, I thought it was him. I thought it was him. I'm going to be honest with that, um, though we kind of maybe spoiled a little bit of our, our discussion at the end of the episode. But nonetheless, so Ben arrives and Ben is going to, or excuse me, Julie is going to stay with Ben, but she's still going to go to work, right? She's still thick-headed about that. And so um, Ben, and the theory is that he's across the way, like there's another apartment across the way and that that the the, the perpetrator's over there. Here's something that I noticed that we have been doing this show now for quite a while, right, Jason? For almost four years, right? We've yeah. done a lot of episodes. This is the first time I noticed that uh, Ben Matlock doesn't have a garage. Like when they show the, the 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 outside shot, the establishing shot of Ben's house, he just has the Crown Vic parked next to the house. There's no garage. I don't know why I found that so you know- disturbing. Well, back then, man, there uh, a lot of alleys were utilized, so maybe he had his garage in the back. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you I just I remember, I remember growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, like my aunt's uh, garage was in the back. She had to leave the garage and walk into the back door of her house. I, I remember that very popular in, like, bigger cities. Okay. I just, for me, I guess it clicked in my head that we're talking about getting revenge on somebody so i would just assume that hey if you defend criminals maybe you got one that'll come after you and maybe vandalize your car if it's in a garage it's less likely to be vandalized or stolen but okay justin okay your yours was the same deal my my home that i grew up in the house was here and below was the garage like it was on so it was two-car garage beneath the house so anyways i just thought that was something that was shocking that I've never noticed before. Yeah, attached um, garage is a selling factor in selling homes. Maybe not so much these days because most houses have them at this point, but I remember that being a, a thing back then. Like, oh, the house and the garage are attached to each other. You can actually get through it because, you know, there's probably a lot of safety concerns with uh, the detached garages, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in the areas that I know have detached garages around here. <laughs> there are a few few neighborhoods you want to watch out for. Um, but let's get back to the episode where Ben is making breakfast. And uh-oh, we have some awkwardness. Because Julie, she don't eat no breakfast. Uh-oh. Ben even made her sandwich so she could work through the day. 
This is so cute, isn't it? These two yeah, it with, is. their, with their banter back and forth, and they're just so adorable, these two. Uh, they are you. a couple, right? Um I I believe so. It, there's some there's some cloudiness to the their relationship, but um there's definitely flirting on both sides. There's definitely hints to a relationship, but we've never seen them like kiss or anything or hold hands, have we? Like mm, all no. we see is the heavy flirting. Uh no, I think there was a kiss on the cheek. I'm not sure on that one. Anyway. What are those Les Calhoun? <laughs> <laughs> this would have been a good episode for Les to pop in. What if Les was the the suspect? <laughs> that would have been awesome. He, he wouldn't He's have done a suspect. It. I would have known right away. No, that would have been a big red herring. Absolutely. All right. Conrad checks the apartment across from Julie, and it's empty except for one landline phone. That's it. And supposedly the renter is Lisa Johnson. Oh, that doesn't sound like a fake name if I've ever heard one. This might be a spoiler to my thoughts, John, but um, okay. about this point in this episode, I came to the conclusion that I get I get why Conrad is everybody's favorite between him and Tyler. Like I I've I've taken me this long, but I finally understand why so many people like Conrad. Because um I don't know, just something about him. Like he's a really good investigator. Um uh, the actor does a really good job. Maybe it's because he's consistently there. But um, I just like the working relationship. He has that it factor, if you will. Yeah. Well, my, here's my question: How much do you think that con- that that apartment costs month monthly? You know, the vacated one. Because I'm easily going taking in the price, like current prices. What do you think that would go for? About two grand a month. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. I was thinking eighteen, nineteen hundred a month. Yeah. Back then, probably about a thousand a month. You know what? I I would say I would say a little bit less because I I remember what my first apartment cost when I moved to uh, to Columbus. It was just a shade under six hundred. So I'm like that ah, that well you know what that might that may be eight nine hundred maybe a thousand but I don't know um, maybe maybe a thousand I could see that. All right. Well, anyways, a matchbook that was left behind is a major clue, and I thoroughly enjoy the scumbag landlord. He was great. I mean, he needs some yeah. cash to, to, yeah. to help out. Yeah. So we're at Julie's office and Eli arrives and Julie totally zoned out and forgot to go to court. And so Eli's like, hey, no, I took care of it. It's all good. But hey, maybe you need to take a few days off, man. You know what? Myself and Paula, we have a we have a little co- a little place, a little cottage, if you will, up in the up in the woods. Um, why don't you go and check it out? OK. Um, and I was like, guilty. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as he said that, I'm like, guilty. This guy is guilty. He just wants to get her alone in his cabin. And I'm not going to say whether I was right or wrong, but I, as soon as that line came out, that was my immediate thought. Well, Julie turns him down. It's like, oh, that's very nice of you, you know. And then Mike uh, Eisman calls, right? And he talks to Julie a little bit, and Julie kind of blows him off a little bit. Not quite, but... Um, so before we get to what I love about this episode, I think we have a few more comments. So if we can get those up, uh, Justin, we'd appreciate it. Did you say there's more comments? There's no more comments. Oh, they're just promos from Jason. Okay, all right. Sorry, on the counter it was showing 14. So it was it was Jason plugging stuff. Okay. Our next scene takes place at the Spitfire Saloon. If that's not a name for a, a bar, 
I mean, I would hang out at the Spitfire Saloon. Wouldn't you, Jason? Oh, I absolutely would. I absolutely <laughs> would. Even if it was a dump, and it kind of looks like a dump, I'd still I'd still hang out there. At least go for that would be a good place for a loud conversation between two friends that could be a controversial conversation that Justin might want to get out of. Like Spitfire Cafe or Lounge. Yep. Fantastic spot to go. <laughs> Again, ladies and gentlemen, we've broken the rules. It's an inside joke. We're very sorry about that. We'll just say that we've had the experience of uh, having some folks get into a very spirited conversation in the middle of a restaurant slash bar. And we, Jason, myself, and Justin, were like, can we just step out the side door? Because this is getting to be, I'm hard to embarrass, okay? But I was getting like, Ugh. it was, you know. Anyways, we, we shall not rename those folks. We shall protect their anonymity. So Conrad arrives and he interviews Nick regarding Lisa Johnson. And I was, I was somewhat afraid that Conrad was going to smoke. He got a cigarette. I was like, no smokers are jokers. And it's I, it's funny, man, that you say that. Um, I've been watching stranger things with my girlfriend and uh, they smoke so much in that show. Back then it was no big deal. And, and yeah. then we have today where I don't know. Is anyone complaining about that with stranger things? No, no, I mean, it's the 80s. Okay. I mean, they, they smoked. Like, what are you, okay. you going to do? <laughs> well, I don't know. You know how today is. Some people will be like, oh, my God, I'm canceling Stranger Things because they're smoking cigarettes. You better not. But anyway, season five comes out because I must know what happens because season four was amazing. <laughs> so Nick has the ability to light matches in a very fancy, fancy way. Like, he's got this mad skill about it. Ben calls Julie. And um, he had heard about the blunder from Charlie, the hot dog vendor, about her forgetting to go to court, right? And so Julie's like, Dude, all right. I want a I hot dog vendor that is in on the gossip. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I want to be able to go, can I get a dog, uh, mustard, ketchup, uh, onions? Hey, uh, hey, Charlie, what's the skinny? What do you got? How about that new guy down, down the hall, that, that McCafferty? What about him, huh? What about him? Ah, oh, he's, he's a good dude. Married with two kids. All right. Got you. you know, yeah, you know he was absolutely, absolutely he was he's the guy to go. He knows everything, man. Ben, he's like, how'd you know that? Charlie, the hot dog guy? <laughs> of course it's the hot dog guy. Like, do you know your boyfriend at all? I feel like Charlie, the hot dog vendor, is the custodian in the breakfast club. He knows everything. He knows where everything is. He knows where, what everybody's doing. Anyways. All right. Well, uh, Julie's going to cook uh, for Ben and she leaves the office and someone is following her. And so she runs and as she turns the corner, she runs into Conrad. Conrad takes off uh, to, to chase this person. Can't He gets outrun. He loses him. Conrad comes back and Julie's like, it's Nick Belot. It's got to be him. And Conrad goes, it can't be because I just came from his work and he's bartending. It can't be. I just saw him and there's no way he could have beat me down here. That is going to lead us to a quick stopping point of asking, who is this mystery man? Because we have another comment. So Jason, or excuse me, Justin, go ahead and pop that up. Living in the South Spitfire Saloons fits perfect. Oh, absolutely. You're right on that one, Daniel. You're absolutely correct. We find out that Conrad can play the guitar in the next scene. And everybody, Julie, Ben, Conrad, they're all trying to organize their notes. They're all trying to figure this out. All right. And Julie says that Mike asked 
asked her out when they worked together in Maryland. So that makes Mike be a key suspect. So in typical uh, fashion, Matlock sets up a meeting between Julie and Mike because, hey, we always let the ladies go ahead and be uh, bait for these wonderful wild traps that Ben springs on on criminals, right? I got to bring this up. This has nothing to do with this episode, but uh, you mentioned the guitar. Yeah. Um, do people still play the accordion? Because they shouldn't. <laughs> what the hell? That's so random. What? I was uh, I was on uh, Fred's show this week. It's coming out next week. And we watched Revenge of the Nerds. And somebody's playing the accordion in that movie. And my thought as I was watching is, do people still do this? Because they shouldn't. It sounds awful. I don't know, but I saw a TikTok video online of a young lady that plays like popular songs on the bagpipes. And it kind of was kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, like popular songs like Enter Sandman and, you know, stuff like that. And I was like, that that's pretty cool. Weird Al catching strays. Yeah, that's that's probably accurate, Justin. That is. I forgot huh? about Weird Al. Oh, yeah. Accordion, but it's fine. That's fine. You know, besides Weird Al, is there anybody playing the accordion? It's an exception to every rule. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So Julie meets with Mike, and she tells Mike about the phone calls and people following him or following her. All right. And Mike denies that he has any involvement in this. He's like, I don't don't know what you're talking about. It was not me. In fact, he wanted – the reason why he wanted to stop was he wanted to thank Julie because Julie gave him some confidence. Just by being around her, he was more confident. And we find out Mike has a girlfriend who is just as shy and awkward as him. That's from his mouth. Jason, what do you think about this uh, ruling out of old Mike Iceman? What do you think? I feel bad for him because, you know, two awkward people probably don't make the greatest couple. Like, Mm -hmm. it's going to take them forever to do anything. But um, I'm Mm -hmm. also happy for him. Like, good for you, Mike. Yeah. All right. Let's get another comment here. Isn't polka music huge in Ohio? Actually, um, no, you're thinking actually more like Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Minnesota, that Ohio. I'm sure we have polka clubs. I'm sure of that, but uh, I don't know. So, but thanks for the question. Appreciate it, Daniel. Uh, So um, Conrad and Ben are at that apartment again, the vacant apartment across the street. And Conrad shares info from his meeting with Mike and what he saw because he was overlooking the Julie-Mike conversation. Um, I really wish I had a phone book because I would do this trick. Like, this trick Conrad has is baller. Like, seriously. You take the the yellow pages, drop it, and it'll open to the page that's most used. I want to try that. I don't have any phone books. I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, there's no way for us to test this because... I don't have no. a phone book and I don't ever I don't use it enough to have a page that would be earmarked enough to, know. you know, and that dude must be ordering a lot of freaking pizza. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, that's, that's supposedly what he is uh, ordering. Uh, so Ben arrives home and Julie is cleaning Ben's uh, house. I did enjoy the comedy there where it was like, Julie, Julie, stop, stop, stop. It's a self-cleaning oven. I thought that was pretty funny. I enjoyed that. But in the meantime, we get a phone call from the mystery man. Phone call talks all about um, how did you like eating your pizza? And this freaks out Julie some more. And here's my question. 
We know that Ben has hunted in the past because of obviously at the beginning of this season, we had the hunting party. So we know he has hunted. Does Ben not own a gun? I you would know? think he does. Yeah. I would think he would have a hunting rifle or a shotgun or something that if, you know, if you want some, come get some, as the old saying is, you know, um, yeah, I just thought, well, I know this would have made the episode a little bit darker and maybe more serious, but I just like, ah, you're going to mess with a guy with a shotgun. Anyways, more on that in a little bit. No, if he has anything, it'd be a hunting rifle. Yeah. Well, it's still two, two, one slugging somebody. I mean, they're not going to be uh, messing around with you. So Ben interviews Nick at his bar. And he asked Nick to come over and go through a photo array. So we cut to a scene that uh, there's no setup for this other than the previous scene, but Eli and Julie are walking in the woods. All right. And Julie thanks him for being able to stay at his place. And then it starts raining. And so they go, they run to the house and then they have to change clothes because they're all wet. And while Julie is changing, she finds the weird scrapbook of Eli. And it's all about her. Eli confronts her about it. Oh, you found my book, blah, 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 blah. I love you. You're the best thing ever, blah, 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 blah. My wife is gone, which I want to know, define the word gone. More on that in a few minutes. All right. Um, Julie tries to leave, uh, but Eli professes his love. Um, Eli slaps Julie, which I was like, oh, oh, okay. Okay, this is this is turning serious here. So... Yeah, I don't really know what Eli's in-game plan was. No, no, it was. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I, I felt like this 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 episode kind of shoehorned in a lot of stuff without a lot of explanation. You know, like I I mean, when you say Paula is gone, is she gone as in divorced or left you, or gone as in you know? Which... No, left. I would say left or divorced. I think Julie would know if she was gone, like died. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know. But Julie does try to escape this time when Eli's asleep. And, man, he catches her and he throttles her almost, which I was like, wow, that's 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 we're taking it to another level here. So we go back to Ben's office and Nick is doing the photo array with Ben and Conrad. But Nick is like, I I I know. Some, I know somebody in this photo. I This guy looks familiar. And he basically recognizes Eli and he's like, oh, yeah, that dude was in my bar for the, like the last week or so. And I know his drink order and et cetera, et cetera. And so we cut now to a scene where Eli has loaded up the shotgun and he's threatened Julie. Don't you do that again or else bad things are going to happen. All right. But just in the nick of time, Ben and Conrad arrive and Eli with the gun holding it against, you know, Julie. He's out on the porch. Ben is approaching, trying to talk him down, say, hey, look, 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 you know, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. Eli points the gun at Ben and then Conrad to the rescue. He comes from behind and there's a small fight between Eli and Conrad. But nonetheless, Conrad subdues uh, Eli. And uh, then we see an embrace between Ben and Julie. And then I wrote down, Julie is going to be in years of therapy now. So. All right. I think we have another comment here. Justin, can you throw that up there, if you will? I tried the phone book trick when I first saw the episode. I was 17 or so, and no kidding, it opened to the section on adult entertainment. (laughs) Nice, Daniel. 
nice uh, honesty and a uh, nice tidbit. You know what? I got a uh, Daniel off share. When I first moved to Columbus, because coming from a small podunk town in Ohio, I, I was shocked to find out that what I thought was only in the movies really is in real life where you could order hookers from the yellow pages. I thought that was a thing that only happened in Hollywood movies, but I was like, Oh my, I was, I was Wait, that's culture shock. Oh, it was a thing back in the nineties. Yeah. Apparently it sounds like well, Justin, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying I was, it was a shock to me. Yes. Maybe I am sharing a little too much, but Hey, you know, we're John here was shocked in Rome. He ordered one. They actually showed up to his house. Okay, enough. That never happened. You set me never up for happened. it, man. You set, you you pitched that ball right down the alley, and I just hit it for you. You're right. And look at you. You're using a sports analogy. Look at you. All right. Um, Jason, anything else you want to talk about real quick before we wrap things up here with this episode? No. All right, well then, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to get to our closing statements. This is a part of the podcast where John and I will rate the show on a gavel system. One gavel means that we didn't like the show. Five gavels means we love the show. Negative ten gavels means we are moving down under to Australia to live comfortably as spies. John, what do you rate this? You are almost out of all of energy, aren't you? You are almost like if this was a video game, you would have like one third of a bar left, right? No, dude. I think Australia just like completely went out of my mind right before I was about to say it. So it took me a second to remember what I was about to say. Because Arizona okay. almost slipped out of my mouth. I'm like, wait a second, not Arizona, Australia. So I guess, yeah, I'm on one bar of life. Okay. All right. Anyways. All right. So, uh, I suppose you would like me to go first. I can go first. You always go first. You go, go first. first. I want to hear yours. You go first. I like this episode. I, you know, the the mystery of where is Michelle Thomas continues. Um, we don't know. Like, has she been kidnapped? Is she locked up somewhere? Maybe we should be following her character so we can save her. But all that being said, this episode is great. Something new, something different. There was no case involved, really. No tr- mm-hmm. trial. No, Ben didn't have a thing. He was just... Um, doing more detective work with Conrad to find out what was going on with Julie. And I really like this episode. This season has been something for the books. The acting was awesome, uh, especially from uh, the actress playing Julie. So I give it a four and a half out of five. Okay. Uh, I think this is a step down, especially with the last few episodes that we've had. Um, I gave it a three middle of the road. Um, I, I did like that. It was, as you said, there's no trial. There's no case. It's just this situation that Ben and Julie find themselves in. Again, the chemistry between Julie Summer and and Andy Griffith, top notch. I like that. Um, I felt that it was a, a, a pretty decent twist to who the mystery man was. Although, and this is this is my thing, is I just feel like there's really no background on Eli's crush. Like, why is he doing this? As I said, talking about Paula like what what's what happened there like was she i i still think she could have been murdered or not known like that could have been a, a case that's investigated somewhere else wherever eli might be originally from or something it wasn't a bad episode but i think that it could have been a little bit better so i i i'm comfortable with a solid three you know john you can't always be right it's fine to be wrong every once in a while but uh right. you guys more importantly what do you think of the episode comment below let us know email us at b-e-n-m-a-t-t-a-l-k at gmail.com 
Or you can leave us a message over on the Facebook page. Just look for Matt Talk Podcast and leave a comment over there if you like. All right. With that then, Jason, let's start talking about our own personal podcasting projects. Let's talk about the Three Geeks Podcast. What is going on there, my man? We took a week off, which is why I've been kind of going off script because I've had things I wanted to talk about and I couldn't do it there. But we did air our seventh conversation with Halea Jones dropped yesterday. And dude, she's awesome. I, I really like talking to her. She She's fun. She's self-aware. She doesn't mind poking fun at herself because, you know, ever since the rock incident, you know, one of us brings it up every time we talk to her and she's always, you know, laughing and has fun with that. But uh, guys, go check it out. It's it's interesting take on what happens when an actress leaves a hit television series. Like what's the next steps in the career? What does that look like? She gets honest with us. And um, yeah, so much fun stuff. We're live again this week with the Petersons and maybe John Orlando might be making an appearance, but uh, you guys know the Petersons. We love them. It's the Valentine's day special. And then Justin doesn't know this yet, but I'm planning on him making a Justin's the game of Oscar winners with negative reviews. We have to get, the negative review that matches with the Oscar winner. So as long as Justin says okay, then that's going to be coming down the lines too. So and, and Justin, John, Justin, guy. hold on, hold on, hold on, Justin. When you start looking up those negative reviews for Oscar uh, uh, movies, uh, look for my name because, as we all know, I have lots of hot takes on all types of movies, but specifically Oscar movies. So yeah, if the movie has a fifty percent or above on Rotten Tomatoes, odds are John doesn't like it. Yeah, pretty much. That's. That's that's accurate. Deal. <laughs> All right, Justin, do we have another comment real quick? I thought I saw one pop up. Four and a half gavels for me. All right, so Daniel's along. Well, congratulations, everybody. I have an announcement to make. Daniel Snow will be placing, replacing John Orlando as co-host of Matt <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you'll hear from my attorney. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, the PVD cast... Uh, yeah, man, it's available over at pvdcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts. Um, this week's episode is a comic book creator, an independent comic book creator out of Michigan named Dave Brown Jr. Um, we talk all about his uh, autobiographical comic book, The Brown Family. Uh, he's got another urban comic book called The 313, a kind of a romantic comedy type of uh, book called I Wish, not, not to be confused with the Ski Low song. But uh, but it's up right now. It's a fun listen. Uh, we share actually stories about how we both met Kevin Smith. So there you go. And uh, you can't you, if you need any more motivation, go check out episode four fifteen. Kids, comics, and kung fu is the title of it. And uh, yeah, so that's it. Oh, All right. And one more thing I forgot to bring up, and this is mainly for Justin. When the Petersons are on this week, we will be discussing the Dune popcorn bottle that you can see right here. So everybody out there from John and myself, have a great day, guys. All right. Well, as they say in court, nothing further. <laughs>